This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to live as a person of faith and a culture against faith. So let's talk about superhero culture. Let's do it. Clayton, what was the first superhero movie you ever remember watching? Uh, the old school Superman cartoon. Okay, okay. Um, I don't have a lot of memories from childhood, so I don't remember what the first one I ever saw was. But if you're like most kids, first time you see a superhero movie, you are amped. And you do what all the kids do. I want to be a superhero when I grow up. Yep, you go home, you tie a blanket around your neck. Make a cape and start jumping off your bed thinking you can fly or yep. whatever, right? You, it, It's fun. And it's fun because it starts out in a healthy place where, like, they're helping people. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know how long that persists for someone Um, because the movies actually, like if you think about superhero movies, there's always a problem, a conflict that they have to solve. Right. That's any good story. Yeah. And they're all good in motive, but think about the latest superhero movies. Think about the personalities and things that they have. Okay. What kind of people are they? Uh, It's hard to generalize that. It is. Because there are so many different ones with so many different personalities. There are, but overall, the, the movies end up being more about them and their life than the good things they do. The dilemma that they're trying to solve. It doesn't actually end up being a, a story about how a person does good on behalf of others. So in some of them, I would say that that is true. Yeah. There are still some where they're good classic, you know, like superhero who saves people and that's the entire movie. Right. Um, but I think they're fewer and far between. And now superhero movies all come with some kind of dilemma, mm-hmm. a dilemma for the audience. Right. Yep. So, what's the dilemma with the Hulk? I don't actually remember. He's angry. Like, he's a rage monster. Oh, well, yeah, okay. Kind of a big problem because, like, now you've got this quote-unquote superhero who actually has a massive ethical dilemma, but yet he's praised for, when he gets angry, the things that he can do. Okay. Interesting. Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man number one. Mm-hmm. What's the ethical dilemma for the audience? The guy's a drunk and a womanizer and a terrible human being. He's also arrogant. I see where you're going with this now. The, the unethical things within the hero themselves. Mm-hmm. I see. I thought when you said dilemma earlier... I thought that you were talking about like the tension of the story. Um, in that, like, there is some sort of evil force. I thought oh, that's no, no, what no. you were talking about. That's tension, right? Tension. That's what I thought that you were talking about. No, no, no. Tensions build story. Dilemma is like an ethical conundrum for an audience. Okay. 
So yeah, there's always going to be tension. There's always going yeah. to be, and and in, that's in any movie. Yeah, I mean, think about it's in any good story. Yeah, and any good story lives and dies on tension. So, like in a in a romantic comedy or heck, pick the Notebook. Right, what's the tension? that they really want to be together, but life's keeping them apart, finally to the point that their stubborn selves go, hey, we're just going to be together. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. That's the tension. There's a tension that exists that creates the story. The story in any superhero movie is going to be some kind of good versus evil tension. But there is more times than not some kind of dilemma that the audience is that's put before the audience that they must wrestle with that is, Hey, this person does good, but they have a massive ethical dilemma that's put before them. And so because the massive ethical dilemma is placed, so much of the storytelling ends up being about the dilemma and not about the tension. Do you see? I would say that that's some of the time, yes. Okay. In that, what does that do for a little kid? What, what, what messaging is that sending to children? That it's less about who I am as a person and more about what I do. Or that it's okay to do whatever I want to do as long as I do some kind of good? And it also says that in order to do good, I must be a person of power. Because mm. mm-hmm. yep. they are superheroes. Yeah. Like they, they have are people of power. They have powers and are people of power. And so it creates this mixed messaging. It, it, it says, number one, in order for me to do good, I must be a person of power. And number two... It doesn't matter how I live my life or if I have these dilemmas as long as I do some kind of good. Yeah. Do you not think those same justifications created the Mark Driscoll's of the world? Yeah, I can kind of see it. Hey, I'm doing good. People are getting baptized in my church. People are coming to know Jesus. I'm oppressing women and I'm a jerk. And I'm mean to my staff, but Jesus is being preached. I'm doing some good. So that justifies my unethical behavior. And oh, by the way, I'm a person of power now. So I can enact a lot of change because all I ever want to hear me and myself talk about is how big my church can be. That's Mark Driscoll talking, by the way. Yeah, I actually uh, heard on a podcast today him say that he only ever wanted to be a member of one church, Mars Hill. (laughs) His own church. (laughs) Uh, My gosh. uh, So, I think superhero culture has created some dilemmas for us in that regard. Yeah. I also think superhero culture has assisted in creating celebrity culture because because the superheroes are who they are. They're so popular. They're popular. 
Everybody knows who they are. Everybody knows who they are, and and that's another large piece of the story. And another piece of the dilemma is how does the hero interact with civilians? Mm -hmm. That's the Iron Man deal, right? He's a jerk. Tony Stark's a jerk. It creates this need to be liked and adored which creates this kind of image conscious world that we live in through Instagram and putting our best foot forward in order to be popular. Hmm. I mean, think about it. we even on Instagram, it's about how many followers you have. Yeah. That's a statement of being popular, hmm. being liked, wanting someone like people wanting to follow and be invested in what you're doing. Would you say that's a maybe not the total and most fair picture of superhero culture? I definitely think it's a cynical view, but would you say that it's a fair interpretation of superhero culture? Absolutely, I would say that's fair. Um, Excuse me. Yeah, absolutely, I would say that's fair. It's, It's hard for me, though, because then I see the other side of it, which is, so you talked about Iron Man, right? Look at Captain America and Steve Rogers, right? Just a stand-up dude. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm going back through everything that I know about the modern Steve Rogers. There's nothing really unethical there to pick at. That's probably true. Or, like, the new modern Tom Holland, Peter Parker, right? Like, Mm -hmm. what that's doing is promoting um, just good people doing good things. Um, Well, it still creates the power issue. Oh, for sure, it has the power issue. Yeah, the superhero, anytime that someone's a superhero, it's going to create the narrative, in order to do good, I I must be be a person of power. Yeah, Which... In some way, that's kind of true. That is not the message of the gospel. Okay, so explain that to me. First will be last, and last will be first. It is not the message of the gospel that you need to be a person of power in order to make a difference in the world. But Jesus himself was powerful and made a difference. Oh, no, 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 no. Jesus was powerful through the power of the Holy Spirit, but Jesus as a person mm-hmm. was a poor carpenter who sure. was a nomad that traveled around with 12 smelly dudes. Yeah, true. There's nothing notoriety, like there's nothing about him that's Instagram worthy. There's nothing about him that's worth being followed. He's not a person of power in the way that we're talking about it, in the way sure. that superhero culture is projecting power on people. Sure. Although, to be fair, doesn't having power make doing good things easier? Oh, sure, but it also makes corruption easier. Oh, yeah. I mean, look look at the most powerful people in the world. How many of them would you say, oh, yeah, I'm pleased with the work they're doing at the, no. the high, holding the highest no. seat in the world? no. No, it's not. Like, yeah. actually, the people that make the most difference in the world is the average person that walks around being kind. 
that has some kind of vision for how, not that they can change the entire world, but that they can change their world. Hmm. That they can impact and change the world of those that they come in contact with. There are those people that I think God has done amazing work through, and they were the right people to be in power at such a time as this. Abraham Lincoln. Not a huge fan of Abraham Lincoln. Kind of a dude that talks out of both sides of his mouth. But Emancipation Proclamation is kind of a big deal. Happy that happened. Glad Abe Lincoln is president at that time to make that happen. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, when I look through history, power just corrupts. People can get positions of power with good intentions. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine met Ted Cruz before he like fully like was running for senator. Right. Like at the beginning of his campaign. And he said, he's the nicest guy ever. Most down to earth, cared about you. Like the, his exact words were, Ted Cruz is a politician that cares for me. Hmm. 18 months later, he met Ted again after Ted had won the Senate seat. So he's a different person. Didn't care about him. Didn't care about anything going on in his life. Didn't care at all. Just in 18 months. Yeah. So I think that we're thinking and talking about this in different ways. Um, you're talking about people that hold seats of power. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about like social capital kind of power. And um, what, so walk, walk that out. First of all, how are they different? Because people so, that hold positions of power also have social capital. Sure. Agreed. Agreed. But the fact that you and I are both white, straight, cisgendered males are Christian and able-bodied and able-bodied <clears throat> gives us power, but we do not hold seats of power. Yeah. See, that's, that's where I would make a difference. We don't have power. We have privilege. Okay. But in the conversation of power, privilege comes with it. Privilege, or privilege comes with power. Privilege helps you get power. But privilege doesn't naturally mean power. I mean, think about, and not to be crude on this, but, but think about the poor, white, cisgendered, loves Jesus Cajun from Louisiana that's also a meth head. Mm -hmm. And that person's never going to be a person of power, but they are absolutely a person of privilege. Okay. Just because you're a white dude that is cisgender doesn't mean you have power. It means you have privilege. It means that when you walk into a store, someone's not going to think you're going to rob it. Yeah. <clears throat> I need, I'm not saying that I disagree with you, but I'm also not saying that I do agree. Um, okay. So I need Switzerland here. We're trying to play. We're trying to play both sides of the conversation. No, Just trying to stay neutral, impartial. No, because I think you are trying to separate privilege and power in a way that I'm not sure that you should. Um, 
I'm not saying they don't go hand in hand, but what I am saying is that there are powerful people that do not have privilege in the way that you're talking about it. Mm -hmm. And there are people that have privilege that do not have power. I'm not saying they're mutually exclusive, but I'm not saying they always go coupled. But but also remember that that power is multifaceted, right? Mm. In all the categories that I just gave. Okay, but I don't know how that changes. You can have, so like President Obama, okay, right? Mm-hmm. He's black, therefore does not have the power. same kind of privilege, right? But he's also able-bodied. He also mm-hmm. professes to be an evangelical, mm-hmm. right? He's also straight. Mm-hmm. So he has these elements of power, just not this one. Of privilege. See, I, I'm not, he's still a very powerful man. He right? wasn't always though. No, that's true. That's, that's the fair. deal. Power is something you grow into. Privilege is something you have. This has become a very different conversation. <laughs> well, but I'm, I'm like, just... I, yeah, like, I'm not... I need to think about that because that is the wording that was taught to me in social work classes. Well, that's really unfortunate because that's just not how I think most people view that. I think that you are being super specific. Um, yes, that's absolutely true. Because I don't think they're the same because I can't do anything about privilege. I can absolutely do something about power. But, ooh. Your privilege gets you to places of power. My privilege helps me get to places of power, but it does not guarantee them to me. The meth head. Mm. Your privilege doesn't guarantee you power. It guarantees you privilege. Just in the same way that not all people who end up in power have privilege. I think Kamala Harris is a great example. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they do not always go hand in hand. They must be separated. They are not the same. Okay. So... With that, in this dilemma of superhero culture and feeling like we need power to enact change and better the world, I think it's created the problem, or I think it's helped to create the problem that we see now in the evangelical church. That I would totally agree with. Of power and abuse of power, because what happened was we turned away from the message of the gospel that the last will be first and the first will be last. So I'm like, I've quoted that text several times. I'm going to read it real quick. This is in Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 20. And the story goes that the mother of James and John come and ask Jesus a question. And basically, she's not asking a question. She's asking for a favor. She wants Jesus to do something. And what she wants is that each of her sons get to sit on the right and the left hand of Jesus in the kingdom. The two most powerful positions that a king can give someone. That's where James and John's mom wants them to sit. Yeah. And Jesus says, it's not mine to give. Which, kind of weird, but Jesus says, it's not mine to give. That's 
for my father. Then in verse 24, when the 10 heard it, so the 10 other disciples other than James and John, they were angry with the two brothers. Why? Why would they be angry? Because they're seeking power. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones are tyrants over them. It will not be so among you. But whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I don't, I don't think that our goal as people of faith should be anything like a superhero mentality. I don't think it should be anything like pursuing power to change the world. I think our message is that we should be the hands and feet of Jesus to people in our world, at which point in being the hands and feet of Jesus, we change their world. I think too often we've seen people do things in pursuit of power and they can even be pursuing power for good things. But very quickly after achieving power or getting to places of power, they abandoned their good deeds for deeds of greed, deeds of abuse, um, deeds of making themselves more money. Um Messiah and Christ, I mean, those words literally mean king or anointed one. If I'm honest, Jesus doesn't look like any king I've ever seen before. All of his power are actually symbols of anti-power. Nothing about Jesus is a powerful person. He's actually the lowest of the low. He lives in a village He's poor. He's a carpenter, so he's a tradesman. Like, literally, there's nothing about Jesus that's powerful. And yet, even the story tells us he's our king. He's our superhero. He's our savior. He's elevated on a cross. He's given a crown of thorns. His sash of royalty is ruined in blood there's nothing powerful about it at all and that's the one that actually saves us I think superhero culture has perpetuated a problem that is easily anti-gospel because it makes prominent all the things that we're not supposed to pursue. 
We are supposed to be people of grace, serving people in need of grace.